Nobody puts baby in the water. Let's watch. What? How come Andrew gets to get up? That's right. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. And what they're gonna do? It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Bueller. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Welcome to Living in the 80s. I'm Rob, and with me again this week is John Noss, my good friend. And we are going to be talking about the NFL. Um, those of you that have found us, thanks for listening. Uh, we are uh, on several podcast networks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. You can hear us on Roundtown Radio, Star 107.9 Weekly. So you can hear us on the radio. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Living in the 80s Facebook page and livinginthe80s.us on the internet. I think I hit them all, didn't I? I you have an impressive empire. I did that in under 50 seconds. <laughs> That's, is that a so, record? <laughs> I, think it, I think it is. So we had so much fun last week talking about uh, our favorite NFL players at the time got away from us. And so we're gonna we're coming back this week with our top five. So lots of of stuff we're gonna do, and, and we're not gonna d- delay it anymore. We're gonna go straight to the top five. Number five. Our number five most popular player, which makes me pretty proud right now. Ronnie Lott, San Francisco 49ers. This guy was phenomenal. Now, he's a defensive player, which you know, we were talking about before and how it's a little surprising that a defensive player was ranked that high. Mm-hmm. But he was. Um again, very deservedly so. He was one of the hardest hitting players in the NFL. Um statistically, you know, he ended up with um 63 career interceptions, which is that's excellent, phenomenal. Yeah, you're not gonna see guys. Guys don't have that many interceptions. Um, he had five touchdowns, so th- that part's good. But but he's remembered as part of that that core group of guys that that won the four Super Bowls for the Niners in the 80s and in 1990. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's pretty awesome. And and I really think too. I, I didn't notice this about I didn't know this about him, you know, is they really adjusted his position. Uh, I think it was it looks like eighty six. Mm-hmm. He he went out into the he became safety, right? And that's really where he took off. I mean, he was playing in the same amount of games with them, but his first year as a free as a safety that was when he recorded ten interceptions. So he really became yeah. kind of that deep ball, you know, a damper almost yeah. to uh four safety. Well he was he was so quick yeah. and the fact that he can cover so much of the field really he they, they found a way to use that to their advantage. And ever since then, I mean his he statistically um averaged better in that spot mm-hmm. uh from oh, then yeah. on and and really was an impact in, like you said, that core group that won those four Super Bowls. And when I think of the 49ers, I mean, the 49ers are one of my quintessential 80s teams, just in the right. style of play, just in the uh, the players, the names. He's one of those names that comes up when you think of the, the 49ers oh, yeah. of that time. Sure. Um, and 
it goes right along with it. San Francisco was balanced on both sides of the ball, and sure. he was the he was a heart of that for I think it was he was there for nine seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was what helped them win those four Super Bowls, oh, especially yeah. in that era of football. Eight time Pro Bowler, six time first team all pro, Hall of Famer, got the rings. Uh, my favorite Ronnie Lott story was he was he was in a game and the tip of his finger got broke off. He just had him bandage it up. He went right back in. They said, go to the hospital. We'll, we'll put the finger back on. He said, I'd rather play. And he ended up losing. He's got a little nub on there right now. <laughs> and and I think that actually goes to kind of what turned the NFL from, you know, baseball was America's pastime, but the NFL really became the national sport in that era because players like him who were so – they were almost superhuman. I mean, to right. break a finger off and then go back and play, like football yeah. was gritty. These guys were superhuman. And the NFL smartly started to gear their advertising towards making these guys look like modern-day Olympians, yes. modern-day heroes. Which which last week you had touched on just a bit, and, and now's a good time to elaborate. Yeah. NFL films, oh, they yeah. have done such a great job over the years – at making these guys larger than life, making because there's only 16 games in a season, they're all so important. And a lot of times, you know, you can think about like where you were when this game happened or when that game happened. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily even playoff games, but just normal, you know, regular season games. And you guys, you got guys like Ronnie Lott, who was kind of, I don't want to say the last of the Mohicans, but like. He was the next evolution of that defensive back, that rough, hard-hitting guy that, um, uh, again, as the NFL has become more of a finesse game and a lot more penalties, like a lot of the hits he delivered back then, he probably would have been fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, something. leading with the oh, crown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's got like him yeah. and Jack Tatum and these kind yeah. of, you know, back in the 70s, like, like these guys were bruisers, and that's really you know you you talk about you know CTE and these other issues that the NFL is grappling with, yeah. Which is strange because that's the brand they were built on, and yeah. you know you talk about your favorite story is him basically losing a finger and going back out there, but they, I mean, if you think about it, I couldn't. I know that NFL film song when I I hear it in my head. Oh yeah, and, and I've got the whole soundtrack. It it it's ingrained in <laughs> yes. us, and it makes these games that only happen for a very short amount of time. I mean, baseball plays 162 games. Mm-hmm. The NBA seems like the the playoffs go on for oh, it goes on. And, and NBA starts in November, and you're in middle end of June. Yeah. They're still playing, and they're still playing. Hockey's and and now yeah. with this COVID thing going on, yeah, the NFL or the NBA is still playing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I was tired of it before, and I, I and that's and somehow the NFL capitalizes on turning these small moments into, like you said, a battle of 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 Olympic Olympians, and yeah. And that's what's that's what they're struggling with today, honestly, because this was the era where they were still really branding this as the gritty working man's game. The yeah. game where these guys would go out, take these brutal hits, and then they would put this backdrop of music. I know I, 
I can't hum it for you, but I know if Rob, you put out that you would know instantly what that that song was. Oh, <laughs> you mean this? So is that the song you're talking about? That is. It that is hits a spot, man. I I, I love those old NFL films yeah. music. If you get if you guys get a chance, get on iTunes or whatever, or even YouTube, and just just look up NFL films music. You guys want to go back in time? That'll do it. And it really shows how genius their their marketing was. I mean, they really cornered what they were looking for, which was just that that strong almost mythic battle and man that music like you you could imagine the battle you want to put the pads on yeah you no, I, I would go I would hit do, somebody go play go, go play go for all the ronnie football. lot <laughs> ronnie lot that's right <laughs> so yeah uh getting back to where we're at uh ronnie lot is our uh, number five uh most loved mm-hmm. beloved player oh no it's baseball football. Bo basketball, too. Bono's tennis? No. Bono's race. Bo, you don't know diddly. Number four. So we're on number four now, right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. These these next two these next two are turds. Oh, sorry. Uh, number four. Uh, edit. Edit. <laughs> Stop <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> number four, Bo Jackson. Oh, Bo knows that he's too high. Yes. Uh, he uh, Bo Bo's got to know. <laughs> Bo has got to know. It's kind of revisionist history. Yes. So we revere Bo Jackson. Is this awesome player and he had moments yep he had some outstanding moments i remember a monday night game uh the raiders were playing seattle and brian bosworth was going to tackle Bo. Bo ran over him and ran over like his chest on his way to the end zone <laughs> like he was he was a beast and and Bo jackson was that type of player that yes. that running up the wall uh, as a royal to to grab the the home run, yeah. you know he he was that kind of guy. As a football player in the 1980s, in the professional sphere, he was average. Well, I I would call him better than average. I'd call him really good. I, he had some he had some he had some obstacles. So he he was playing baseball, and if I remember correctly, his Royals contract he could not go play yeah. football until he fulfilled his baseball season. Correct. Like like in other words if if say that the the Royals um had a Monday off, he couldn't just go play Monday night football with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He had to wait until the season was over. And if the Royals went to the playoffs, that extended it. So when you see him playing shorter seasons, that's kind of why. So to to put him this high on the list though, statistically it doesn't play out as a player great at auburn he set all kinds of sec records heisman Mm -hmm. trophy winner but and and i really do think too that 
when we when we think of Bo Jackson, you know, like we were saying, we think of the Bo Knows uh, uh, Nike yeah. ad campaign, and we we think of this incredibly gifted uh, player who could play in two professional sports and be. I'll give you above average. It, he was much better at baseball, though. Yeah. In baseball, I would say he was a great player because in baseball, athletic giftedness can overcome because it's it's so limited in your reps. You know, right. in baseball, you're not taking a hit each play. You know, he was playing a position in running back where mm-hmm. he was taking hit after hit every time he touched that ball. He was the focus of that play. Oh, yeah. And in baseball, I mean, he was playing outfield, mm-hmm. and he was... Or you know, DH. He or DH'd a lot, too. And, and so he really wasn't, you know, his physical gifts were much more on display and what provided that longevity for with he was with the Royals. Sure. I don't think... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he makes the top 10 just because he only played for four seasons well, and he yeah. only made the. We were discussing this before. We he only made the Pro Bowl once, and he didn't start a game that year. Right, and that was eighty nine. It was that was nineteen ninety. He had some some good rushing stats, but in comparison to his other um, contemporaries, I mean, really, he wasn't over a thousand yards any Never. season. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, he didn't start. Every game now, granted, again, his baseball contract trumped that, so he had some shorter seasons. Yeah, but really, his four-year career as a football player, which in modern day we'd think of this as completely opposite, but his career as a football player was almost secondary to his baseball career because it had to be right. And in his time in a Raider uniform, we think of almost as like, look at how great this is. Somebody can play two sports at once versus yeah. this is a excellent football player and an excellent baseball player. Yeah. So where where Deion Sanders, who yeah. came along a couple of years later, was the opposite, better football player than baseball player. Yep. But uh, that's another story for another decade. But just I would have loved to have seen what he could have done had he played an entire you know entire seasons and baseball was not a factor. I mean. On his career, his rushing yard average was 5.4 yards. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're talking, the, the benchmark of a quality running back is 4 yards per carry. He's getting 5.4 yards. In his three of his four seasons, he had the longest rushing yards from scrimmage in single plays. He had a 91-yarder in 87, 92 in 89, and 88-yard touchdown in 1990. So... Like, he was a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen, like I said, what could he have done had he played an entire season or multiple seasons and his career wasn't cut short. I think he, he probably could have been if he had stayed on that trajectory and these average. I mean, when look at it, he played in his four years, he played, he started in five games his first year, then nine and nine, and then none in his last year which is, uh, I believe, when he got hurt and had to have the hip replacement and all of that. But um, when he was there, he was great. But, again, it's kind of hard to put him this high on the list when we only had a sample size. And and I'll give you, I'll give you the physical giftedness in the football because when we were talking about how high he was, I went to his college stats. Mm-hmm. As a player at Auburn, he is 
otherworldly. Yes. He had 4,000 rushing yards in four years at Auburn in the in a time when the SEC was not the game not the game we know of it today. Mm-hmm. It was he had um I think we we found out he had one year uh his senior year he had 17 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. I mean that's he's averaging more than one a game. Obviously he had the gifts and I think you're right. I think two sport athlete we think of as a such an incredible feat in and of itself. So we, we you do some revisionist history. Maybe those gifts that we see in the college stats mm-hmm. would have borne themselves out into the pro stats a little bit more had we had he played only one sport. Right. So, Bo, you were great. Would have liked to have seen what, what what could have been. So, and with that, he was uh, he was number four. Number three. So number three may be considered somewhat controversial. Very controversial. But not to me. Well, you know what? Our number three guy, we'll just allow him to introduce himself. Ever hear of Al Bundy? Hoke High, All City, four touchdowns in one game? Yes, you voted your number three favorite football player of the 80s as Al Bundy. So we can thank my friend Willie Wall for for even nominating Al Bundy. And everybody else thought, that's funny. We're going to make Al Bundy our pick. Yeah, enough votes to get to number three. I, I, this is a travesty. I mean, this is an 80s football poll he played in the 1966 City Football Championship in Chicago, not in the 80s. Um, I can tell you've watched a lot of Married with Children. But I just, I mean, this is, if we want to talk about best football players of the 60s, maybe. I mean, his stats might back that up. We're not talking about 80s past icons. He definitely fizzled out after the 60s. I, I just am very disappointed in hey, the choice. It's not an 80s choice. I mean, if we want to talk about... Was Married with Children from the 80s? He was a player in the 60s. Was this a TV show in the 80s? Uh, I just am not... I'm not. Uh, it's a yes or no. Uh, yeah, fine. Okay, so we didn't know about Al Bundy, the football player, until the 80s. We, they did. They named that the, He was a prominent... Football player they in named Chicago. The field after I, him. I, I understand that, but that was that was his his notoriety in the sixties. But Bo Jackson never got four touchdowns. Uh, that, that, that kind of performance transcends time and space. Uh, obviously, because he continued to talk about it well into the eighties, and that's why we're sitting here having this debate right now. It's Willie Wall's fault yes, that we're I, having this conversation. I think he ended up as a, as a shoe salesman somewhere in the suburbs. I don't know. Of Chicago, I, I think yes. He, I think he fizzled out after. The, uh, had a couple of JUCO um, offers. Really didn't do much after high school. Well, he got offered a, a job to quarterback the Browns, but turned him down. That's, so. yeah, that's uncalled for. That's, that. that's two minutes for you. <laughs> that's only 75 other guys in the last 10 years. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, that's funny. Al Bundy being voted onto our list. Only on Living in the 80s would we get a... a all these people, several people voted for Al Bundy. Several. <laughs> Dozens. Several. <laughs> Dozens, yes. So, yeah, we, you know, it's funny. We were going to scratch it off of here, and we decided, no, let's have fun with this one. So, yeah, number three was Al Bundy. Number two. 
So our number two player is my personal number one. And I I think he's two instead of three because he threw five touchdowns against the Broncos in Super Bowl twenty nine. So five is above four. Sorry, it is above. It is above four, and you know the only person to break that is Steve Young. (laughs) It's it's good to be a Forty Nine er (laughs) fan. You're enjoying this, aren't you? Oh, I I I certainly am. But yeah, um, for many years, Joe Montana was considered the best of all time. Uh, Statistically, Dan Marino better. Uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning, some of these other guys better. But the guy won four Super Bowls. And uh, I, I was one of the people that, that fought up until the last couple of years. People would say, well, Tom Brady's the best ever. I'm like, no, nah, he's got to prove it to me a little bit more. And he has. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of um, common knowledge now that Tom Brady would be the best ever. But for his era, for, and then again for decades after that, he was the standard quarterbacks were, were compared to. Uh, there was no game he couldn't. I mean, of course, he lost some games, but but you never felt like you were out of the game as long as Joe Montana was your quarterback. Um, Hall of Famer, all around good guy, beloved in San Francisco and Kansas City. Uh, a lot of players go to other teams and just fizzle their career out, kind of hang up the spikes a little bit. But he had some pretty good productive years. Brought the Chiefs to the playoffs for a couple years there uh, in KC. And, uh, you know, he is uh, one of my top two or three all-time favorite players. I, You know, I when I first sent you my list of players I, I thought about for the 80s, for mm-hmm. quarterbacks I had Joe Montana and then who cares under the other categories. It's, he's not lying. It's exactly what he had. <laughs> and I think because really, for me, he resembled everything about the evolution of the quarterback position as it as it became the game manager where really he I mean my favorite one of my favorite sports stories is Joe Montana in the huddle seeing John Candy in the stands I was going to say that that I love that story because he was just this this cool cat who could take these situations and, and just he was not a, a, afraid of pressure he was not a, a, whether it be real pressure from, you know, uh, the incoming uh, defense or just, you know, game pressure in general. He was just a cool customer. And that became important as defense, as these schemes started to become more complex, as they started to broaden the field. You know, they say stretch the field and bring things down. The ability to line up and then see the game unfold in front of you became more important. So you had to really be able to block out the noise. And that that story of him just thinking about John Candy – Mm-hmm. In that moment of the biggest game, the yeah. Super Bowl, just is perfect in just how he approached the game. So yeah, so if if you guys if you guys don't know the story or hadn't heard the story, um, Super Bowl twenty three, the 40- sorry Cincinnati fans, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, uh, Super Bowl twenty three, um, the Niners are playing the Bengals, and and the Bengals pretty much controlled most of that game. Um, you know, it was it was sixteen to thirteen, and um, the Niners were driving, and uh, a very tense moment. There were thirty four seconds left in the game, and they're in the huddle. And Joe Montana, because 
his team completely trusts in him. They're rallying behind him. Like if he has this panic mode, which which is one thing that I can I think that kind of separates him from a lot of other guys. Because mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I, I am a mark for Peyton Manning, love the guy. Um, you would see him blow up on the sidelines. Yep. Not not Joe Montana. So cool, cool guy in it the just huddle. He spies up in the press box. He goes, "Hey, is that John Candy up there <laughs> in the press box?" Now, there's celebrities all over the place. I guess maybe because of his rotund form, he could pick out John Candy. <laughs> he may have seen him in the first quarter, but thought, you know what, I might have to bring this up later. I'll wait. So he, he's and the guys all turn around and look. You see him looking in the in the film. You see him look up there. Yeah, it's it's, it's John Candy. So what does he do? He throws a ten yard touchdown pass to John Taylor. Kick the extra point. Final score twenty to sixteen. The Niners win the Super Bowl. Amazing. That that. By the way, is where he got the nickname Joe Cool. That's when they started calling him that. <laughs> and I never really called him that, but they, you know, they did. And I think, like I was, like I was kind of alluding to before, I think that became a real hallmark of him as a player is just that ability to not let the moment overtake him and then the teams around him. Because you know, there we were talking about West Coast offense and just you know the the changing. NFL, whether it be the late 80s or the early 90s, he he re- retained a lot of his game, mm-hmm. and he retained a lot of the trust of of these this rotating cast that happened around him. And that oh, was yeah. and that was I mean, if we look at uh, the 1989, he had a 70 percent completion rating with 3,500 yards. It's amazing. That is. In today's by today's standards, that would be considered un, all, nearly unheard of. I mm-hmm. mean, to complete seven out of your ten passes, you have to go nearly perfect some games. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the ability for you to not have any wa- any ability to waver in those big moments that that is almost now required. We expect that out of our quarterbacks. We yes. expect them to be leaders, and we expect them to be. Um, you know, we have quarter, halfback, fullback, and that just comes from the old, you know, yep. names of the positions. But now the quarterback is the center. It's the center of the whole universe, and we expect that. Yes. When our quarterbacks aren't like that, we're like, why isn't this guy a leader? But Joe Montana <laughs> set that standard. Yes. And and that's how, again, in this time when the, the NFL was turning from, uh, uh, it wasn't regional, but it definitely wasn't what it is today. Right. He was what before Tom Brady he was what every quarterback should have and uh you know was aspiring to be right and four super bowls hall of fame first ballot i mean just it, there is no superlative you could use on his time in San Francisco and in, in Kansas i mean he was uh, pretty solid in Kansas too but just like i said he in terms of 80s quarterback and even quarterbacks generationally, there was very few that approached him as a as a talent. Yep. So Agreed. lucky for you as a 49ers fan, you got to see that for. Oh, uh, and ago. it was and it was it was wonderful. Yep. So those were great years. So yeah, uh, there's a you know hard to argue putting him high on the list. So number two, Joe Montana. Number one. And the number one player as voted by you, Sweetness, Walter Payton. He was phenomenal. It would be hard to, 
Uh, even though I think Joe Montana is the premier player of the 80s, there's a lot that could be said about Peyton being number one. But uh, I, I think he'd be my personal number two. But in this case, uh, number one, Walter Payton. I, I think that you could make the argument for the two of them in terms of how they affected the offenses they sat in. Like Joe Montana, obviously, we're talking about how he defined the offense. I mean, Walter Payton also defined the offense and, and was a a reason why the Bears were successful. We think of the Bears in the 80s in terms of their defense and in terms of, you know, Dick got you know yeah. that's like you know the coach but Walter Payton um really defined the running game and set the standard for you know we were talking about Barry Sanders as probably one of the best of all time he was in the 80s Walter Payton when you watch highlight reels very similar just almost playing a different game almost able to um find the gaps in some of these defenses and and just Create space, yeah. Create space where there was none, and there's a couple of times where I was watching, and this is in a time where I mean he was drafted in 1975, so he was not when it when the 80s rolled around. He was not. He was already I think 80. He was 26. Yeah. So by football standards, he was already older, and he started to reach his his zenith in 80, 81, 82. He was really, really. the definition of the Bears offense and the one of the few reasons why they won that Super Bowl the only one they won in that decade yeah I back in back in those I remember Walter Payton early in his career my, my friend Jim Fournier that I grew up with that was his favorite player mm-hmm. and I believe he's the one that nominated him here and it is he was incredible he played from 80 from 75 to 1987 in those early years with the Bears, he was mm-hmm. the offense. Like they didn't have the weapons they had later. Um, what could they have done if they had a better quarterback? Maybe one, two, or three Super Bowls. I don't know. But um, up until like his last year being eighty-seven in nineteen eighty-six, he ran for thirteen hundred yards. Yeah. So he, I mean, he was really good for a lot of for a long time. And the fact that you know he passed away at such a, a younger age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very sad too. Um, I, I do love that they give the Walter Payton Man of the Year award everywhere, every year, to the player that does the most good for their community, and which really defines him as a man. You know, mm-hmm. we we think about him as a player, and I one of his nicknames was the Dancing Bear, mm-hmm. just because like Barry Sanders, the way he would he would weave in and out of traffic and and just look like he was gliding versus you know running. Um, you know, you can't say enough about um, what an awesome player and an awesome man that Walter Payton was. And now, I'm glad you brought that up. That the the Man of the Year award is is given to, I think they call it the humanitarian of the league, the person who right. they see do the most community outreach. And he really, I mean, for a time, I mean, we're talking 1975, so we're talking about a time when. The NFL was still struggling with, you know, some of its players having a hard time in some of these cities that they were playing in. And he, Chicago really took to him as a player. Oh, yeah. And he became, I mean, he went to college in Jack, at Jackson State. So he was not from. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a small black college yeah, down south. Yeah, he wasn't from there. He was from Mississippi. Um, but he lived in Illinois 
till the day he died. He died in Illinois. So he became as much a part of the Bears. And that shows how much his, his community involvement became a hallmark, just as much of, of, of his on the field as it was off the field. Mm-hmm. And that Walter Payton Award is how they, you know, kind of differentiate from the on the field, off the field uh, humanitarian efforts that their players, you know, you see sure. YouTube videos of those players going into the toy store and buying you know the whole store out for all those kids that's yeah that's that's what uh that legacy that walter payton brought forth i mean it's it's sad like you say he died he was 45 years old was I mean, it brain cancer is that uh, what he died, died i of? didn't see that i believe it was um but he was only 45 but like i said he was he was in illinois that became his home and um it is uh, it is one of those rare, especially with you know what's going on now, one of those rare good stories about a, a, a town that really took to somebody who, uh, and vice versa, a man who really took to his town and and uh, became a member of that community. Hmm. Uh, it was he died of a rare liver disease. Oh my! And and bile duct cancer. That's what it was. So November ninety nine <laughs> is when he died. So yeah. Uh, he again, great player, great ambassador to the NFL, and you know can't say enough enough good things about him. So that that wraps up our top ten list. It took us two weeks to do it, yeah. but daggone it, we did it. We and we worked the whole two weeks, we all sure seven did. days. We, we have been tirelessly. We've not showered or shaved or brushed our teeth this whole time, and it's been crazy. But so we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna be right back, and we're gonna. We're going to talk about uh, what would fantasy football look like in the 80s. Joe Montana Strategy. Joe Montana's moves. Time out. I'm quarterbacking another super game this season. Joe Montana football for Sega Genesis. And since I don't like being rushed, we're taking extra time to perfect my game. It'll be ready by the Super Bowl. So don't pass this up. It may be my best game of the season. So being such a big football fan like I am, um, again, fantasy football. I I love fantasy football. I've been playing in leagues. Uh, My first uh, experience in fantasy football was in 1994. And in 1995, I won my first GFL championship. I've won three GFL championships and multiple other I've got my fantasy football trophies on a shelf here. It is an impressive sight to <laughs> behold for all those that are at home not watching live on TV. Yeah, and now being on and living in the 80s, we don't we've never talked much about football, let alone fantasy football, which is another great passion of mine. And um, I would show you the championship belt that I possess <laughs> that I earned with probably the greatest team of all time so be that as it may john also big fantasy guy Mm -hmm. so what we're going to do is we're going to do if it were the 80s and we were sitting here doing a fantasy football draft it would be great if we would have had like a a team of like 12 yeah and just got really deep in some of these positions who would have been like the 12th best tight end oh my of the golly. So <laughs> anyhow, so uh, because I'm the gracious host, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to uh, go, we, we need a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. So we won't go through an entire roster, but we'll go through those positions, and we'll do it in a snake-style draft. 
So you get the first pick, I'll get the next two, then you'll get the next two, and back and forth, okay? So, um, John, uh, who would you, you... You go ahead, first round pick. Go. Um, with the first pick, um, the Gary Busey's hairlines will be selecting Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Good yes. choice. Yes. Good choice. I, I really think that... I, I like Joe Montana, but I think Dan Marino's going to fit well into the scheme we're putting together uh, in the Fighting Buseys. And I think that we're, we're primed and ready to go this year uh, with a uh, more uh, vibrant and, and high-flying offense. And I think Dan Marino's uh, uh, arm will help us in that. So, uh, Dan Marino. Okay. Well, the Yard Jockeys are going to pick uh, Jerry Rice as the first pick overall. Because, you know, he has no peers. <laughs> Dang it. And, um, and then I want to, right after that, I want to go quarterback, and I want to go with Joe Montana. Okay. All right. So, um, next two picks for me, I'm going to use one of my running back slots. I am going to take Walter Payton off the board. Um, and then I'm going to need somebody to catch um, just as much. So, man, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I, I'm i going to go with Steve Largent. Uh, I, 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 I was thinking that would slide under the radar I, maybe a little bit. I was, I was kind of hoping for him. I but know. Good pick. I, I, good pick. I gotta have somebody for Dave Reader to throw it to. <laughs> that, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh man. Okay. Well, I want to go running back. Uh, actually, I want to take back to back running backs. And these two guys, neither one were on the list. Uh-oh. Surprisingly, I'm going to go Eric Dickerson and Marcus Allen. Oh man, Marcus Allen. Oh. Dang it. That was my under-the-radar pick. What, Marcus Allen? Yes. yes. The t- uh, ooh, okay. Um, so, the uh, Fighting Buseys are going to draft... I'm going to take Bears defense. I'm going to choose the 85 Bears defense. Going defense. Yes, defense wow. wins championships. They were number one in yards in yards allowed. They were number uh, one in time of possession. We're going to possess the ball. We're going to um, stop you from uh, letting Joe throw it all over the place because as long as it's out of your hands, you can't throw it. Good luck. So, um, so I'm going to take that off the board, and then I'm going to take Ozzy Newsome off the board. Oh, the Wizard of Oz I, is coming. I, I thought with oh, me. I would see. I didn't see you picking a defense. I thought Ozzy would slide down to me. He's my probably my favorite '80s tight end. So wow, that's for you, Dad. The Wizard of Oz. Okay, gee whiz, Good, nice pick, nice pick. So, um, gosh, I'm going to have to. Oof. You see, you screwed me up on that. Uh, on that Aussie Folks, Newsome the gears are there. turning over at the uh, <laughs> over the Yacht Yacht Jockey headquarters. headquarters. Okay, <laughs> the war it's room okay. is a mess. You know what? <laughs> There's I will, paper flying. <laughs> I, I will take. I will take the tight end 
that was statistically better than Ozzie Newsome. Oh, and I will take Kellen Winslow. Yeah. And uh, my second wide receiver, go Bucks, Chris Carter. Yeah. Oh, man. You with the uh, off-the-board selections. That's right. You know what? I can't believe these people didn't pick these guys. Oh, my goodness. Ozzie Newsome was a tough one for me to see let, let go. And... All right. So I got two left. Need a wide receiver and another running back. You also need a kicker. I, I dang it! Laces out, man. Laces out. <laughs> Laces. Um. Okay. Did you take Earl Campbell? No, I did not. Okay, Earl left Campbell's him, coming for you. Coming with me, so Earl Campbell's coming off the board. Um. His nickname's the Tyler Rose. Yes, um, that's a California. Nice... He, he played football at the University yeah. of Texas. I was going to say the Houston that's... Oilers. Came from Tyler, Texas, of course. And then wide receiver, I'm going to go with like my like 15th pick, which would be Art Monk. Art Monk is actually a very good pick. I, I mean, it's like a nice number four. But See, he's I, number two. For me. I, I, <laughs> I, I I looked at my. Uh, at the stats after I picked Chris Carter, and he didn't really hit his stride to the 90s. But, you know, when you've got Joe Montana instead yeah. of, um, who was who is, who is Tommy Kramer, I can't remember who, who the uh, quarterback was for the Vikings back in the late 80s. But uh, if he had Montana thrown to him, he might have not quite Jerry Rice numbers, but he probably would be up there pretty, pretty good. So, um,. That leaves me. I've got to come up with a team defense, and I want to go with the New York Giants. Ooh, um, that wasn't in my board. That wasn't on my board at all. Yeah, they. Do you want to pick a year? They had a stifling defense. Um, uh, I took a year. I'm just offering it to you. Okay. Of fairness. Paul um, Tagliabue is at the podium. Um. Uh. uh let's see. Uh. They had some they had some good teams. Um, I I will have to say, oh uh, shoot, eighty six. Okay, the eighty six um, Giants. Yeah, yeah, because it. Huh, I I kind of guessed at that one. They they won the Super Bowl that year. So that's helpful. Uh, yeah, it is helpful. <laughs> Guess who they beat. The Broncos. <laughs> I thought you were going to... Well, they wouldn't have beat the they Browns because the they were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, they, no, they weren't. So, and then my last pick, i got to pick a kicker. Um, I'm, I'm right, I googled 80s kickers. That's, that's what, what I'm I, doing <laughs> right now. Like I can't remember any kickers from the 80s. Remember, you have, you, have, you have, what, 15 minutes before I get to pick over you? Yeah. I will pick over you for a kicker. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Oh, Morton Anderson. That's who I'll pick. Okay. And I'm going... Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson. A Pittsburgh institution from 82 to 94. Your favorite team. Great. I'm. I guess I'm hitching my wagon to that. So, <laughs> all right. So I, I think we probably got pretty good teams. We probably meet in a championship. Yep. So, uh, and I like my chances. 
with with Eric Dickerson and Marcus Allen, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, same team. Yeah, I, I can I can be a little weaker at my second wide receiver spot. Kellen Winslow is a beast. So yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm happy just, with my team. I'm just saying, you were singing about Dan Marino and how underrated he was until all of a sudden now he's on the opposing team. But I, you know what? He's still good. Yeah. He he's going to have some great fantasy points. But uh, as a team overall, mm. my guys will have to work double time to catch up with them. Crazy Dan Marino numbers, but you know when you get Kellen Winslow who had three thousand yard seasons in the eighties and. Uh, it was just a beast to try to tackle. Mm. So he would have he would have put up some great points. So notables left off the board, John Elway off the board, Barry Sanders left on the board. Yep. Um that's if, if Sanders had a longer eighties yeah. tenure, I would have picked him as my first running back, but you know I was the same way. Felt cheating. Felt yeah. like he was cheating. So Yeah, that's that's our fantasy team. So did, is there anybody of note that you can think of that we left off of our, you know, either the top ten list or our Pro Bowl list, or, you know, our our fantasy team list here. You know, when I was looking up just the teams of the '80s, I, I really, I think we hit almost every, you know, big part of that era. I mean, we we listed the names that we really think of when we're talking about '80s NFL football. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when we're thinking about the the hallmark teams of that, whether it be the Raiders, the Bears, the Forty Niners, the Giants. I, I on my list, I don't have anybody missing. Yeah. So for me, and and this one's, uh, this is I I will take this one personally. Oh. Just be and and not I mean mainly because I'm a fan, but um, this guy is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. And he's been on the ballot several times. Uh, not, and it's not just because he plays for my team or played for my team, but Roger Craig had an amazing career. He had 8,100 total yards of rushing and 2,500 receiving yards. He had, um, uh, let's see, 56 rushing touchdowns, 17 receiving touchdowns. Uh, he was on three. Uh, Super Bowl, four. I'm sorry, four. No, no. I'm sorry, three, three Super Bowl champions, and um, he was he was the first alter back. He was the first hybrid guy. Paid paved the way for the Marshall Falks and mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey's of the world. Like he was the guy, and uh, the fact that they leave him off year after year is a travesty. So, um, I did a little bit of digging on. Uh, one of the a lot of I use today was Pro Football Reference. If you Me ever too. like a, a website, they are a great website. I mean, you can oh, dig if, into if you're into stuff. stats, yeah. You want to compare players? Yeah. There's where to do it. And one of the one of the uh, ones they have is Hall of Fame Monitor. He is 24th all time in terms of their Hall of Fame ranking in mm-hmm. running backs. Yeah. And the average score he's he's under he, he has a Hall of Fame score of 77. And they say their average is 106, but the lowest score mm-hmm. is 52. So he is out of the Hall of Fame, way above some of these other players that got in. Did, and actually, if, got in. I mean, yeah, I, I think of Terrell Davis. Yeah, yeah, great running back for the Broncos. Career cut short because of injury. He didn't have the career Roger Craig did. 
Yeah, he was he was in the top ten of his position. If uh, like there's a fantasy thing on here, he was in the top ten of his position three times, uh, four times. Um, he was. That's actually I. Uh, that's a good a good point when I'm looking at just in terms of how he was as a player of of that time. I know you're a fan. Yeah, I would. I'll. Uh, I'll tuck you in. I'll read you a bedtime story. I'll give you the. I'll give you the good news. I yes. agree with you here. Well, I, I, I think you're right. I think the. I think he's a little bit underappreciated. He went to Nebraska too. Yeah, uh, Nebraska in the eighty. I mean, come on, that's like if they were machines. Yeah, so that's back that's when Nebraska weird. was good. <laughs> yeah, I, that's weird. Yep. Why? Why he would be left off? But so yeah, that's that's kind of my own thing. I've been campaigning for him for years Mm -hmm. so hopefully one day they'll they'll recognize you know the player he was and and enshrine him like he should um i know for a while like jerome bettis was snubbed Mm -hmm. there's somebody that deserved to be in there but for years he didn't do it eddie george is another one oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah not just because i'm a buckeye fan but i mean the dude had like like eleven thousand rushing yards have you eaten at his restaurant I have. It's pretty good. Very good. I got good. one at the airport. I, I eat it anytime I'm there. Pretty nice. Good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so um, I think we have exhausted 80s football. I, I think, think we so have too. deflated it. You're welcome, Tom Def- Brady. <laughs> so there we go. John, I wanted to thank you for being part of the magic here and for making this a very fun show to do. And hopefully our listeners have as much fun listening to it as we did putting it together. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. It was uh, it was a little bit testy at times when the poll got a little bit away from us. But it's I think not our, it's not my fault yeah. you didn't recognize I... the greatness of Al Bundy. <laughs> I'm sorry. But so. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was uh, had a lot of fun. All right, great. Well, hey, guys, uh, tune in next week. We'll come back with some sort of awesome show for you with an unknown guest unknown topic uh i'm I'm trying to get one secured but it's it's a little rough right now so uh we will we will let you know (laughs) what happens keep an eye on the facebook page and so forth so until next time uh you guys take care thanks